I think on the cultural side, we shared more. It was more give and take, right? You learn from them and they learn from me. You learn a lot. You explain to them what drives you. And nine out of 10 times, you have similar drivers. You just have different modes of getting to that destination. But the destination is usually the same. And I think that's what people across the globe, whether I was spending time in Sweden or in Switzerland or in France, we all have similar drivers. The drive to find peace and to be successful in what you do. No one wants to fail in towards their goals. And culture, I think, helps you get to those goals. And in a different country, you have to assimilate with that culture to help you reach those goals. You carry your culture with you, but you also assimilate to ensure that you become part of that community and part of the culture. And that's what I learned the most. The more I would be willing to understand them, the more they would be willing to understand me. And that's how we found common ground. Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Intercultural Insiders, which is also the first episode of 2023. My name is John McGraw, and I help expats and newcomers feel confident in their new country in less time and pain. I am the founder of Hyaku Coaching, which is dedicated to helping you create your pathway to success in a new culture. And the purpose of Intercultural Insiders is to share the stories of people with intercultural experiences. So if you're feeling isolated or lost, you can hear something from the guest experiences that could help you, even if it's just a reminder that you're not alone. So I'm very excited to bring to you new guests to share their experiences, including today's guest, Shazad Gidwani. But before we get into that, I have a bit of a reflection upon a situation where I missed an opportunity to cultivate a relationship. This was when I was working at an ESL school here in Toronto one day. One of my colleagues, who is a Canadian of Chinese descent, suddenly invited me out to dinner with her and her husband, who is born and raised in China and had moved to Canada recently. And to be honest, I was a bit surprised by the invitation because we had some conversations at work, but we didn't really know each other that well. There are a couple of things. One, I'm an introvert by nature, and also in Canada, there's often a sharp divide between work life and personal life. We're often friendly to each other, but it's not so common that we would necessarily associate outside of work. I wanted to be polite, so I agreed. And during the meal, the husband kept making different statements about the importance of friendship and how wonderful it was. And I agreed, friendship was important, but I was on my guard because I was wondering where exactly was he going with this? So the meal ended and then they invited me out for dinner again and wanting to be polite, I of course went out again. After some time with the second meal, he came out with a business proposal, which was to start an online tutoring service to help Chinese students improve their scores on English exams. This sounded interesting to me at the time, but I wondered why they hadn't mentioned it in the beginning. And I was a little bit concerned about that. Were they trying to take advantage of me in some way? 
why hadn't they just gotten straight down to business and been open about that right away? So now that it was focused on business and I was on my guard because of the situation, I decided to be very focused and business-like. I wanted to negotiate so that I could get the maximum return from working as a tutor for their business. And I justified it as being a smart business person. I was being very, I think in some ways, very cold and very focused in my communications. So it changed a little bit from how I'd been communicating before. And in the end, the relationship fell apart. And there were two things that I took away from that. One, I lacked awareness. And two, I was being judgmental in the situation. I wasn't aware of this at the time, but in Chinese culture, there's this concept, and I apologize for any Mandarin speakers out there for my pronunciation. There's this concept of guanxi, which is about personal trust and building strong relationships so that two people can do great business together. I was also judgmental because I didn't immediately understand this approach to building personal relationships before going into business. And I judged it from a Canadian viewpoint of separating business and pleasure or personal life and professional life. Because of that, I was overly cautious and very, I think, guarded and not really open to this new experience. And while it's important to be cautious in business relationships, I don't think there was much at risk in this situation. Looking back, I don't regret specifically that missed business opportunity. But I regret the opportunity that I had to build a stronger relationship with these people. And I think if I had done that, there could have been more opportunities, whether they were business or just even a chance to broaden my world and my understanding. And having that awareness now and looking back, I'm able to learn from that. And that's really what Yaku coaching is about. It's to help you raise your awareness so that you're open to those opportunities when they come, whether it's being more open in a culture which is more about building personal relationships or understanding when you're in a culture that's separating business and pleasure, understanding that the people aren't being cold. It's just the way they do things around here so that you can get those opportunities and have long-term success. Now, today's guest, Shahzad, is a great example of a person who can adapt to many different cultural situations. He's a sales and marketing multicultural team leader and he is the member of a board for BMG Brilliant Minds Group, which is dedicated to helping newcomers and international students adapt to life in Canada so that they have long-term success beyond just getting a job. Today is part one of a two-part interview. In this interview, he talks about his early intercultural experiences growing up as an Indian in Kuwait and his time studying in the U.S. He also mentions what an affluent customer said to him at one point that changed the way he looks at people even today and how understanding and adapting to different cultures makes for stronger teams. So without further wait, let's get into part one of the interview. Shazad, why don't you go ahead hey. and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, John. Thanks for having me here. It's truly a pleasure. My name is Shazad. I was born and brought up in the Middle East in Kuwait, but we are of Indian descent. Culture has been truly something that we've lived with, being from the Indian culture, being born and brought up in, in the Middle East culture, having gone to school in Cyprus for a few years, 
then transferring to the U.S., then going back to Kuwait to work with different multinational companies that have been exposed to cultures from across the globe. It's been an interesting journey, to say the least, and having worked with so many different people with different values which drive them has been a true learning experience, and the learning continues. We moved to Canada on April 1, 2020. No pun intended, it was April Fool's Day. And it was an interesting day to reach Canada with no one ahead of us in the border, no one behind us. Even the immigration officers were in shock as to what are you doing moving here during COVID? It's been an interesting journey, one of lots of ups and downs. And I like to emphasize on the ups because we are here, we are happy, and this is our new home. All of the adjustments and the experiences you must have had. Why don't we take it back again to your earliest experiences? You mentioned growing up in a multicultural environment. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, your earliest experiences? So being brought up in the Middle East is very different. It's a very closed society. So to say it's opened up now over time, but when we were children, it was extremely closed. We were living in small apartments, going to Indian schools where the medium of language, of course, was English. But everyone around us, were of Arab descent, whether they're from Kuwait or from Palestine, from Lebanon, from Egypt. So I think the most interesting thing was actually spending time with them, play football, or as you call it in this part of the world, soccer. It was extremely interesting because we got to learn each other's languages. And we actually made a pact. I would learn Arabic from them and they would learn English from me. And it worked. Most of those guys are still my friends. They speak good English. And thanks to them, I speak good Arabic. So that helped me blend into their culture and help them blend into my culture. We would go to each other's homes, try each other's dishes, learn and understand how each of us live. It was very different. We were all different close societies trying to get together. It was amazing. That teaches you a lot. At the end of the day, we are all people. We all have similar goals, maybe not same, but very similar goals, similar motivations. We just have different ways of getting there. And we learned each other's ways and the whole friendships, which are so old and those friendships last a lifetime. I've read somewhere that if you are friends with someone for seven years, you're friends for life. These friends were friends since we were like five years all the way till we were in our late teens and had to leave Kuwait to study. And that itself was an experience because I left Kuwait when I was 18 to go to Cyprus, came back to Kuwait, it was 1990 and got stuck in Kuwait during the Gulf War. And it was us friends who actually stuck by each other and made that, I don't think easier, but at least we had someone to talk to during that phase. It was a very difficult phase, those few months in the Gulf War, and then going through Iraq to get out, and then flying back to India, and then moving to the U.S., go back to school. And it was those friends which kept us going. And then, of course, we made new friends coming into the U.S. from another culture. Well, coming from the Middle East, going to the U.S. was, wow, we're going to the place. And all of a sudden, you realize that it's not like the movies, because for us, North America was based on the movies we saw when we were children, which were different strokes. Starsky and Hutch, Star Trek. And it was all like, wow, that's the country I want to be in. And it shocks you when you come here. That, Wait a minute. They're the same as us. They're having their own lives and learning as they go along. That was another kind of experience. Starting to deal with the local students, making new friends, learning their cultures, spending Thanksgiving in their homes, spending Christmas with their families, and then bringing them closer to our culture, which is the Indian culture, and exposing them to our festivals. We learn a lot. And once again, People are the same all over the world. Open your heart to them and they'll open theirs. Having those friends, developing that friendship early on, and even starting that kind of a bargain in a way, trading languages. Some of those friends have actually visited me in Canada. From the U.S., from Kuwait, they've actually flown down over the last year. And they understand, oh, wow, this is another culture. Studied in Indiana, which is what, a two-hour flight. But it's a different world over there. 
Indianapolis is a different world. And when they came here to Toronto to visit us, they saying, it's different. It's same or it's similar, but it's different. It's very interesting how perspectives change within a few hours of flying. It really is. It's a natural tendency, I think, when we're outside of a particular culture, a particular region to group regions and assume that they're quite similar. Even within the Middle East, you could be in Dubai and you fly one and a half hour into Kuwait and it's a different world. Yes, they speak the same language. Their base culture is the same, but they're different people. And the way they do things, the way they handle things, it's completely different. When we were in the Middle East, everyone thought Canada and the United States is the same. It's all North America. But it's not. There's a significant difference in the thought process. They speak the same language with different underlying tones, but you're still very different people. And no one's better than the other. It's just different experiences. They're all people at the end of the day. And guess what? Whether you're in Canada, in Kuwait, in, in, in India, in the Philippines, we all have the same wants in life. Everybody wants to have a decent life, a peaceful life. Nobody's out there to hurt anyone. Things do happen in the process, but they happen everywhere across the world. No one's immune to it. Yes, very true. Going back a little bit, you had all of those opportunities to exchange. What were some of the things that you felt that you picked up and that in turn that you also gave on the cultural side? So I think on the cultural side, we shared more. It was more give and take, right? You learn from them and they learn from me. It was continuously give and take. And we noticed so many things were similar. When I went to Cyprus for a couple of years, we were expecting that we're going to Europe and it's going to be beautiful European city. Cyprus is in Europe, but they're very similar to the Middle Easterns and to the Indians. Their culture is so similar. They look different, they speak a different language, but their thought process is so similar. And that surprises you, right? You just assume that they're going to be different. But you learn a lot. You explain to them what drives you. And nine out of 10 times, you have similar drivers. You just have different modes of getting to that destination, but the destination is usually the same. And I think that's what we felt across the globe, whether I was spending time in Sweden or in Switzerland or in France, we all have similar drivers. The drive to find peace and to be successful in what you do. No one wants to fail in towards their goals. And culture, I think, helps you get to those goals. And in a different country, you have to assimilate with that culture to help you reach those goals. You carry your culture with you, but you also assimilate to ensure that you become part of that community and part of the culture. And that's what I learned the most. The more I would be willing to understand them, the more they would be willing to understand me. And that's how we found common ground. And that yeah. actually works. You make an excellent point about being open to understanding others and that in turn encouraging them to understand you. And I like what you said that we have the same desires, but different modes, different methods of getting to those places. Many people talk about the golden rule, right? To treat others as the way that you would want to be treated which in principle, the idea is treating others with respect. But of course, then there's the question that how you treat someone with respect can differ based on the culture. What helped me with that was when I was at the university, my first job was a dishwasher at the cafeteria. Then my promotion was to be flipping burgers at the cafeteria. And then you start serving burgers. It was a progress. But if you understand how it feels to do all different kinds of jobs, be it washing dishes or cleaning the grease trap, taking the grease out at three in the morning and smelling like a hamburger for the rest of the night. It teaches you a lot. It humbles you that you actually grow from that position to wherever you reach. It teaches you dignity of labor. It helps you understand how that person gets his daily bread. I think it was another experience what I had was I was working at a small airport and I addressed someone by, thank you, sir, for using our services. And he turned around and said, 
Why did he call me, sir? Then you work eight hours a day and I work eight hours a day. I just happen to get paid more than you. That doesn't make me better than you. And that stuck. And this guy, he was an affluent person. I didn't know who he was then. But after he left, I was told who he was. That humbled me. It was like, wait a minute. If he can say that, that means he's been through so many different stages in life that he values every person on the chain. I think that is what we need to keep reminding ourselves that we didn't get here overnight. Most of us have worked our way up. So we have been through each of these processes. I think the differentiator for me is that I've been through these processes in multiple cultures. So I probably understand how each person feels. At the end of the day, it's a feeling that keeps them going. It's what drives it all of us. I think that really stuck with me and that changed the way I looked at people that point onwards. And this was when I was like 20 years old. And every time I'm going to step out of line, I remind myself of that phrase. Yeah, wait a minute. You have to remember where you started from because it takes 10 seconds to go back there. Nothing in life is guaranteed. You can get pushed away, pushed down in a heartbeat. It was a three-minute discussion, which actually changed the way I look at people. To get to where you are now and being able to remember that, most importantly, as you said, being able to treat others in a good way as well, with respect. In that sense, that's quite admirable. I love the statement on the mirrors, right? Objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear. That says a lot about your life. You may be going really fast, but what's behind you is not going away. It's there. It's a small little mirror. That's where the windshield is bigger than the mirror. You have to concentrate on what's ahead of you, but never forget where you came from. Because that's what's built you, right? That's what builds character. That's what builds a person is what you've learned through your life experiences. A mix of good and bad, right? I've had some great experiences. I've traveled the world. I've had the best cars. But those are all things. They're all physical things which can be taken away from you in a heartbeat. But what you learn can never be taken. And that comes from culture. All the different cultures that you learn from. And they all talk about the same thing. Right? It's what you learn that takes you ahead. It's not what you have. Getting into your story of how you got from there to here, what was your journey like from there getting into what you're doing now in the marketing side of things. I got my degree in marketing. At the end of, of my education, I wanted to move from a job to a career. A job is what puts food in your table. A career will do the same, but that's where you're going to grow. I, I thank my co-op department at the University of Indianapolis who exposed me to the world of telecom. My first co-op was at AT&T in Indiana. And that was my springboard when moving back to Kuwait. I joined Ericsson. My expectation was I'm going back with a degree from the US. I'm going to get the best job, but you have to start at the bottom. And that's what I tell so many students that I speak to today that you're going to start at the bottom. You have to work your way up no matter what your degree is. That's a piece of paper. You have to prove yourself. I started as a sales representative selling handsets. That was my day-to-day -day task. And I showed interest that I want to move. I want to get bigger. So they gave me a challenge. They said, right, from handsets, start selling telephone systems, small systems for your home, for your office. So that was like a promotion for me when I started talking to mid-senior position people start making connections. And then the fact that I spoke multiple languages helped me build those connections. I understood their culture because I'd learned all that through the years. But I was talking to a person who was of North American origin or of Indian origin, of Arab origin. I knew how to speak to them because I knew what motivated them. Then they gave me a bigger challenge. They said, do you want to go one step higher? But it's a very difficult thing to do is to sell the phone systems. I was like, okay, that's interesting. And I said, yes. And Ericsson then invested money in me because they had faith. They spent a lot of time in Sweden learning how to sell these systems. And voila, we did break-in deals. We sold the first data system in the Middle East. And I remember when trying to sell that first 
question we got from their CTO, who was actually of North American descent, is who was going to use data on their phone? Why would I want to go onto the internet on my phone? And that's what I had to sell. I sold a GPRS system where the data speeds were at 28.8 kbps. Now we're talking about gigabit speeds, but 28.8 was wow. And we had this whole discussion as to why would anybody want to go on the internet on their phone? This was the discussion. And we sold it. And look where we are today. None of us can live without internet on our phones. And I'm still in touch with that gentleman who's back in the US. And remember the discussion we had? Who is going to use data on their phone? Uh, today, we're communicating on Messenger or on WhatsApp using our phones, using high-speed data. And had we not made that move then, imagine where the world would be today. And yeah. all those deals were done purely because of building a relationship, understanding their culture, what motivates them, what drives them. I was an Indian selling a Swedish system in a Middle Eastern country to a CEO of North American descent and a CEO of European descent. It was literally a marriage of cultures. That little box that does the miracles, but the sales and the marketing is done based on cultures, on how we can communicate with each other and pass the right message across. And then my next step was I moved away from telecom and into luxury, which was shocking to me. And the reason I was offered that position was I remember telling the person that I've never dealt with luxury. How do I sell luxury? I don't know. He said, no, we want you to lead the team who will sell luxury. You've been successful in leading teams, building those teams. Let the brands take care of training them how to sell it. We want you to manage the teams. I said, okay, that I can do. Because again, I understand cultures. Because within those teams, we had people from the Arab world. We had Indians, we had Filipinos. We had guys from Bangladesh, from the US, from everywhere. It was a huge sales team of over 250 people from across the globe. I said, you know how to talk to people. And that's what we want you to do is lead the teams. Don't worry about the actual sale. That'll happen. But if you don't have a strong enough leader to lead these teams and make them work together, no matter how much we train them, it's not going to work. So that's where I jumped in and said, okay, this is interesting. And literally we grew the business year on year by 10%. It just kept going, kept growing. At one point we were scared. It's going to end. The growth, it cannot grow that much. And the manager was like, that's fine. We've grown so much that it's okay. Even if the growth slows down, we understand it doesn't grow forever, but it wasn't slowing down because we kept building that team. The team got stronger. They collaborated more. We were selling watches and jewelry starting at $200, going all the way up to 1.2 million. We were flying clients across the globe to close deals and spending on them. And they would actually spend a million dollars buying a single piece of jewelry or watch. And that was because we understood our culture. We built that culture within the organization to ensure that our team understands the person on the other side. And it worked. It just kept working. It was all because of people. It's all about people, culture, and understanding. I've seen a number of studies and figures showing that corporations that are diverse and are able to manage that diversity effectively have something like 35% greater profits than competitors that aren't as diverse or don't manage it properly. And clearly it sounds like you were able to do that extremely well. What would you say are some of the key points to managing diverse teams so that it is more successful? I can give you the way I would manage my team. I had an open door policy. I had no calendar where you have to actually book my time to come and then see me. I just had one standing request from anyone coming to see me. If you're coming to see me because you have a problem and you want to discuss it, walk in. If I'm not on a call and there's no one in the office, we can talk. 
if you're going to come to my office to complain about somebody, bring that somebody with you because I don't want to hear one side of the story. I want to hear two sides of the story. And that actually worked. The open door policy worked very well for me. It was like, I may be leading this organization, but I believe in leadership with empathy. For me, if you don't have empathy, you're not going to get very far. Then you're no longer a leader, you become a boss. Sometimes you got to make hard decisions, yes, because when you hear two sides of the story, you have to judge who's on the right and who's on the wrong. That gets a little bit complicated sometimes, but nine out of 10 times, when you understand all the cultural nuances behind the way people speak, their body language, you can actually judge very well who's hiding and who's holding things back and who's being very open. For me, that was my key to success was come in, let's talk. And nine out of 10 times, we can resolve our problem. There are going to be no winners, no losers. It's going to be we win together. Because guess what? We all have a common goal. I want everyone to succeed and we need to reach our corporate goals and succeed as a team as well. There is individual success. Yes, you will be rewarded because you have done exceptionally well within your team. But if it's only you doing well and the rest of your team is lagging behind, it's not working because we cannot rely on one person because you could leave the job, I could leave the job. It has to go on. It cannot stop. We are building something which is for the corporation or for the company. You're building yourself as it is, but you cannot be indispensable. It's going to hurt everyone, including yourself, because you become good at doing only one thing and that one thing may not be needed at the next place you go to. So learn from each other and let us all grow together. And that open door policy actually worked. In the 10 years that I was doing luxury, I think we only asked two people to leave the company because they did not fit the culture, which is a very good turnaround of having over 250 people and actually letting go of two people. In that way, we were successful. I'm sure there were companies doing better than us. There are many companies who mimicked our management. We could tell from the way things were happening there, but it's fine. When someone mimics you, it's a compliment. That's the way I see it. It's a compliment. If somebody's following your style, you actually succeeded. Let them follow you. It's nice. Well said. Fantastic first part of the interview with Shahzad and so many gems in there. The second part of the interview is coming up next week. The live stream is on YouTube and LinkedIn Live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. EST. That means the second part of the interview with Shahzad will be on Wednesday, January 18th from 12 to 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. In that second part, Shahzad will talk about handling conflict within teams, the power of being curious rather than judgmental, and a great way to live and work in Canada. Of course, since you're listening to this podcast, that means that you know new episodes come out every Monday. So all you have to do is subscribe and wait for the episodes to come into your inbox. And please feel free to write a review of the episode. So... Until then, keep navigating your way between cultures towards your goals. Mm -hmm.